This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I'm your teacher, Jeremy Myers. This is episode number 95. We're looking at Jonah 4.6. I think we'll probably finish up Jonah before we get to episode 100. Pretty excited about that. What is evil? Do you know evil when you see it? This week here in the United States, we had this mass shooter, another shooting. In the state of Texas this time, a man went into a church on Sunday morning. Killed 26 people, and by some counts, 27 if you count an unborn baby. That is evil, is it not? I think we can all agree that that is evil. And yet, uh, even though we rightly judge that as evil, we sometimes think other things are evil that maybe are not. We, we humans think we can accurately recognize evil. We can accurately judge between right and wrong, good and evil. And uh, we're going to see today that sometimes... Maybe we can't. And so, all such judgment should be left up to God. So stick around, that's what we'll see. Now, uh, you may know that uh, even though we're almost done with Jonah, I'm not done with Jonah. (laughs) I'm working on a commentary on this book, this excellent book. And um, I would love it if you would help me prepare this book for publication. I need people to help me proofread it. Find grammatical mistakes, typos, misspelled words, that sort of a thing. I I think I do pretty good with that, but uh, it always helps to have more pairs of eyes look over it. So if you're the type of person who sees misspelled words and grammar mistakes in in, uh, food menus, restaurant menus, or church bulletins, or newspapers, or even in my own books and blog posts, I would love your help. Uh, You can join my Advanced Reader Team, A-R-T for short, Advanced Reader Team, and I will send you a free copy of the book in advance of everybody else before it's even published. You read it, point out any mistakes that you see, make any suggestions that you might think you have, and uh, if you would, leave a review of the book once it gets published, and um, that way you help make my books better and get them out into the world. I would really appreciate that. You'll also get all the bonus materials that go along with the book if there are any when it comes out. Anyway, if that's something that is interest to you, uh, I would love to have you as part of the team. You can apply by going to redeeminggod.com slash A-R-T for advanced reader team. Doesn't mean you're advanced reader, just means you get the books in advance, okay? So anyway, I would love to see you there and uh, have you as part of the team, okay? Just go to redeeminggod.com A-R-T and fill out the application. See you there. Now let's turn to our study of Jonah 4.6. So Jonah 4.6 contains the part of the story where God prepared a vine to grow up over Jonah to provide shade for his head. And sort of like with the issue of the great fish earlier in the story of Jonah, this part of the book has created all sorts of scholarly debate over the years. For example, some scholars wonder why Jonah needed shade in the first place. Right? He built his little shelter for himself. We don't really know what the shelter was made out of, but he did build it to protect himself from the sun. Uh, and so some scholars say, well, if he had the shelter, why did he need the plant? 
Uh, and so various scholars have pro- proposed various theories on this. One theory, for example, is that there were originally two versions of the story of Jonah. In one version, he created the shelter for himself. And in the other version, God provided shelter for Jonah with the vine. And then some editor or redactor came along and sort of got confused and mashed the two stories together. And so now we have shade from the shelter and shade from the plant. I I personally think that (laughs) this view is rather ridiculous. And I I don't agree with it. Others people say that the shelter Jonah made, maybe it didn't have a roof. And so God is providing the vine to provide actual uh, roof over Jonah's head to provide actual shade. And there are people who say, no, 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 it's super hot over there in this part of the world. And so double shade is helpful. The shade of the shelter that actually shades him. But then the shade of the vine over the shelter, that provides an additional layer of shade. And, you know, you just can't have too much shade in this part of the world and so on. Okay. And uh, that's one area of debate. Uh, Another area of debate is what kind of vine or plant this was. Lots of scholars say it was some sort of uh, of the gourd family, which would allow it to be a vine with large leaves, and the vine grows quite quickly. Other people say, no, in this part of the world, there's this castor bean plant, which grows quite rapidly in these hot climates. Some people think it might have been a fig tree or ivy vines, and that nobody's really quite sure for, uh, quite, knows quite for sure what uh, type of plant this was. It's uh, <laughs> It's one of those, again, one of those biblical debates that gets a a lot of attention, but really doesn't matter. And then related to this, there's a whole question about how quickly the plant grew. Some scholars say it grew overnight. Other people say, no, Jonah had 40 days before Nineveh destroyed. He only spent three days walking through the city preaching. And so really the vine could have grown for 37 days. Then there's other people who argue that uh, this, you know, Jonah could have been camped out there outside of Nineveh for weeks, if not months, way past 40 days, because maybe Jonah thought that Nineveh would return to their wicked and evil and violent ways, as, of course, we know from history they did. And so Jonah was hoping that even after the 40 days had passed, uh, maybe God would destroy the city after all, and so that's why he was camped out there. And therefore, you know, this vine, it could have taken it months to grow. All right? Uh, and and uh, maybe Jonah tended it during that time and so on, okay? So these are the three more main debates <laughs> over the plant. And you want to know what I say to all of these debates? Who cares? <laughs> uh, who cares? None of it matters for the point of the story. Uh, and yet, we Bible scholars love to spend all of our time talking about stuff from the text that doesn't really matter. In fact, sometimes it matters so much. Way back in the days of Augustine, Um, this became such a big issue. Certain uh, Bible scholars at that time almost came to blows over it on how to translate, how to understand the Hebrew words here related to the plant. I just find it crazy ironic that Christian scholars will almost come to blows over how to translate a Hebrew word that is used in the context of a story where God is teaching a Hebrew prophet that God never wants people to come to blows. <laughs> Maybe if we listen to the point of the story, rather than get tied up in all these silly little details and questions, uh, we might actually be able to apply and understand the text. So what is the text saying? What is the point of the text? What is the point of this vine? Well, the reason 
for the vine, according to the text anyway, uh, and the reason is more important than what the vine was, or how fast it grew, okay? The reason, according to verse 6, is that God provided the plant for Jonah to rescue him from evil. Now, this statement in 4.6 sums up the ongoing debate in the book of Jonah about the nature of evil. We've talked about this as we've gone through this study. I've tried to point it out as we've gone along. What is evil? What is the nature of evil? All right. And so the text here says that God seeks to rescue Jonah from evil. And the question then is, all right, well, what is the evil that God is seeking to rescue Jonah from? And depending on your English translations, you might have various viewpoints represented. Uh, Some think that the evil that God was trying to rescue Jonah from was the evil sun, the hot sun beating down on Jonah's head. Others, though, think that, no, the evil that God was trying to rescue Jonah from is the evil that is in Jonah's own heart. Earlier in the text, we saw that Jonah accused God of being of committing evil when he didn't destroy the city of Nineveh. And really, that's not God being evil. That's evil in Jonah's heart, saying and thinking those things, okay? And so God is trying to deliver Jonah from that. So, so which is it? Is God trying to deliver Jonah from the hot Son, or is God trying to deliver Jonah from the evil in his own heart? And the answer, of course, is both. Remember, we've seen in previous studies, the evil in Jonah's heart is reflected by the evil of the sun beating down upon him. You might say, well, I like sun, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, that's not the point. The point is, um, the sun, remember, was a symbol of justice. Shamash, the Assyrian sun god, was also the god of justice. And Jonah went out the east gate, which was the Shamash gate of Nineveh, in an attempt to get justice, what he thought was justice on the city of Nineveh. So Jonah wants justice. But Jonah's idea of justice is actually evil, and Jonah thinks that God's idea of justice is evil. And so God is seeking to rescue Jonah, yes, from the hot sun, But primarily, this idea of justice, this false view of justice, this evil view of justice that is in Jonah's heart. So the vine, it really isn't about that much about about shade, about giving Jonah shade from the sun, but is primarily about giving Jonah a revelation of his own heart. God wants to give insight to Jonah about what is in Jonah's heart. And this is the major reason that the book of Jonah was written to us. Uh, In fact, this is the major reason the Bible was written, to be honest. Um, Just take the Bible, for example. Many believe the Bible was written to tell us about God, or how to go to heaven when we die, or something like that. And and those, those truths are in there, but I don't think that's the main reason for the Bible. The Bible was written not primarily to reveal the heart of God to us, but but primarily to reveal the heart of humanity to us. We humans, we we tend to think that we know ourselves, but we do not. The mystery about humanity that has been hidden since the foundation of the world, uh, and in fact, which remains hidden to, to most people today, is that God is love and in him there is no violence at all. 
And, and so the, the so-called divine violence in Scripture and in, in our lives and in history, what it is, is it is actually human violence, which we justify by blaming God for it. All right? Uh, we scapegoat others so that we can kill and blame them. And, and then when we do this, we justify our violence against them by blaming it on God. Oh, well, God told me to. This was holy and just and right and fair. And this is what I should have done. This is, you know, and in, in, in this way, we blame our violence on God and we say, oh, this is God's will. It was God's violence. And God becomes the ultimate scapegoat for our violence. Right? Uh, when, when rivalry occurs, we use scapegoating to bring peace between warring brothers. When, when we kill an innocent third party to bring peace between, between warring brothers. We always do this in the name of God. Even people who believe in a different God, they do the same thing. All right? And so we make God the ultimate innocent scapegoat for our own sin. Anyway, this is the revelation that God is seeking to show to Jonah. Um, th- this reference to God seeking to deliver Jonah from evil. It's the final reference to evil in the book of Jonah. And this means that we finally have a question to the answer. I'm sorry, we finally have an answer to the question of evil. I don't know if you remember, the question of evil was introduced back in Jonah 1-2, where God tells Jonah to go preach against the great evil of the city, the city of Nineveh. And uh, uh, Nineveh at the time, by the way, was known as the City of Blood. You can see in Nahum uh, 3.1, where it's referred to that way. And uh, so from the very beginning of the book of Jonah, uh, evil is equated with violence. Why is is, uh, Nineveh evil? Well, Nineveh is evil because Nineveh is violent. All right? uh, Violence and evil are the same thing from God's perspective. And this is God's determination. All right? Evil is violence. Violence is evil. And so Nineveh uh, is committing violence, I'm sorry, is committing evil because Nineveh is violent. They were the city of blood. So from God's perspective, evil is, evil is equated with violence. And even later in the book, by the way, for example, when the people of Nineveh repent of their evil, what do they do? They actually turn from their violence, their violent ways. So we see that that view, God's view of evil and violence is supported there. In Jonah chapter 3. So that's God's view of violence. But this is typically not the human view of violence. I'm sorry, the human view of evil. I'm getting the words mixed up because they're they're, they're, they're basically identical, basically synonyms. Anyway, the human view of evil um, for humans is, is not necessarily the violence we commit against others, but is instead the violence that is committed against us. Have you ever noticed that? Your actions, even if they are violent against others, well, they are right, they are just, they are fair, they are God's will. They, it was retaliation. It is self-defense. It is revenge, okay? And it's good. It was necessary. I couldn't just let it pass. I, I had to take action, okay? That's how we justify our own violence. Whereas when violence is committed against us, oh, no, that's evil. They had no right to do that, right? It was unprovoked. They were wrong. They were evil. They did that because they were evil. And this is the way uh, evil is, is sort of presented in the book. It's, it's evil isn't necessarily the violence we commit against others. Evil from a human perspective is when violence is committed against us. For example, uh, even when it's natural evil, 
natural disasters, natural violence. For example, the storm in Jonah 1, 7 and 8. Uh, the sailors say that the storm is evil. Because, why? Well, it's violence against them. They're about to lose their ship and their, their lives. Uh, in Jonah 3, 8, the king of Nineveh, he says that the potential destruction of Nineveh is evil. Well, again, why? Uh, because it threatened their lives, threatened his rule, threatened his power. And then, of course, for Jonah, it was evil for God to spare the people of Nineveh. This is Jonah 4, 1 and 2. We looked at these verses just a few weeks ago. Jonah wanted God to destroy the city of Nineveh. He thought it was just and fair and right for God to kill them because they were so violent. And when God didn't, Jonah said, that's evil. God, you should have killed them. It was evil for you to not kill them. Anyway, now the sun's beating down on Jonah's head, and that's evil. And, of course, the sun symbolizes Shamash. Shamash is related to justice. And um, so this is just, again, a reference to this uh, human sense of justice. All right? And what we're seeing here in the text is that the human sense of justice is evil. We're wrong most of the time about what is just and right and fair. And we're wrong often about what is evil. Not always, but often. Anyway, here in 4.6, God seeks to rescue and deliver Jonah from evil. What evil? Not the evil of Nineveh. It's not that God has now decided to give in to Jonah's sense of justice by destroying Nineveh. No, God has seen the evil in Jonah's heart, which is based on Jonah's false sense of justice. And so God wants to deliver Jonah from this evil, the evil in Jonah's heart, the evil in Jonah's wrong sense of justice. It's ironic that though God sends Jonah to warn Nineveh, about the great evil in the heart of the city. The only evil at the end of the story is the evil that resides in Jonah's heart. Isn't that interesting? So what is evil? All right, to us, to humans, evil is whatever we think is evil, especially the violence, unfairness committed against us. Okay. The, the truth of the matter, though, is that this human understanding of evil, it's, it's purely subjective, right? You can do something to somebody else and think it's right and just and fair, but if they do the exact same thing to you, it's evil. Of course, they think the opposite. Okay, so as we've seen throughout this book, uh, the human perspective of evil is almost always wrong. From, from God's perspective, Evil is based on a false sense of justice that resides in the heart of mankind. It's evil when we humans try to judge between good and evil. Uh, Usually we get the two mixed up and backwards. In this book, God has been the only character to rightly judge between good and evil. Everybody else has been wrong, for the most part, about what they think is evil. By the way, if you've been listening to this podcast from the very beginning, you might recognize this is what we talked about way back in Genesis chapter 3. Well, 2 and 3, with this tree of the, what? Knowledge of good and evil. The reason God forbade Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil 
is because it was, it represented this ability, this activity of judging between right and wrong, good and evil. And God says, you humans don't have enough knowledge to be able to make that determination accurately. So leave all such judgments up to me. Let me alone, because I have enough knowledge, let me alone decide between good and evil. All right, and when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you notice in the story they immediately began to make improper and incorrect judgments about right and wrong, good and evil. And this failure, of course, went on to their children. Back in Genesis 4, remember, God sought to warn Cain about his anger and his sense of his, his personal sense of justice, we could say. Uh, the, the questions that God asked Cain are very, very similar to the questions God is asking Jonah here. Uh, back in Genesis uh, 4, 6 and 7, it's very similar to the questions God asked Jonah here in 4, verses 4 and 9. Do you have any right to be angry? Why are you furious? He's warning him about the, both Cain and Jonah, about the, the anger that is welling up in their hearts, the sense of justice or injustice in a sense. And, and Cain, of course, remembered allowed his anger to get the best of him. He ended up murdering his brother out of a sense of justice. Uh, And we'll see where Jonah's sense of justice leads him. But for now, verse 6 ends with the statement that Jonah rejoiced over the vine. He greatly rejoiced. And of course, this is set in stark contrast to 4.1. The Hebrew words, in fact, form the exact same construction in both places, but with opposite words. So in, in, in 4.1, he was absolutely furious, and here in 4.6, he is absolutely delighted. And by the way, this is the very first time in the entire story of Jonah where he is completely happy. So uh, why, why was Jonah finally happy? Was, you know, was he so delighted in the vine? Is it the shade? No, I think what's happening here is, uh, once again, Jonah saw the vine as a sign that God might indeed destroy Nineveh after all. So if Jonah just waited a little bit longer, then he would see the destructive justice, the retributive justice of God on this wicked city of Nineveh, right? And, And so for Jonah, the vine indicated that all was now right with the world. His sense of justice was vindicated, and God was going to... You know, just as God had sent the shade on Jonah to protect Jonah from the sun, which represented justice, the sun was still beating on, on Nineveh, and so this was an indication that as soon as they returned to their wicked and violent ways, that justice would be done, destruction would fall, and Nineveh would be destroyed. Well, God is trying to deliver Jonah from evil which means that God is seeking to reveal Jonah's heart to Jonah. This, of course, means we should probably feel a little bit bad for Jonah. He's happy here for the very first time in the story, but it's not going to last. The shade won't last. Uh, Jonah's happiness at his false sense of justice, that won't last. Jonah is about to have the mirror of God's love held up, and held up before Jonah's face, and Jonah's not going to like what he sees there. Maybe you and I won't either. As God, through the book of Jonah, 
reveals to us what his justice actually looks like. Our sense of justice? Mm, skewed. It's wrong. Sometimes what we think is just is actually evil. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up here next week when we look at Jonah 4.7. We might even look at Jonah 4.8. I haven't quite uh, gotten that far in my study yet, but uh, we'll see when we get there. But listen, um, if you want to help me with my future books, please join my advanced reader team. Go to redeeminggod.com ART. By the way, if you join before November 15th, I'm recording this on November the 8th. It will be published on November the 9th. So that gives you, you know, six days, seven days or so if you're you're listening to these the day they're published. Anyway, if you join before November 15th, I can probably get you in on my book that will be coming out in December, mid-December. It's a book on prayer. Um, but after November 15th, I'm going to have to uh, close. Uh, you know, you can still apply, but you'll just have to be put on the waiting list for the next book. Uh, which will probably, you'll get that in probably January sometime. So, um, uh, and then, of course, the commentary on Jonah when it comes out, which hopefully will be next year sometime. But uh, uh, anyway, if you join by November 15th, you get the book on prayer, and then you'll get the uh, all the future books, and all, all, the, all the books in the future as well, okay? Uh, it's, again, to apply, all you need to do is go to redeeminggod.com slash A-R-T for Advanced Reader Team. Now, uh, the application there does ask that you have left a... I want to know that you know how to leave a review on Amazon. Okay, so you can just go pick one of my reviews and... Um, pick one of my books and leave a review for it. Uh, and that would be... That way I know that you, you know how to do it, that you can do it. Okay, that's that's basically the only requirement to join to join the group. Okay, anyway, you'll see all that on the application page. Just go to redeeminggod.com slash A-R-T. Fill out the form, submit it, and you'll be good to go. Okay. And uh, look, thanks for reading my books. Thank you especially for listening to this podcast. And uh, we will pick up back here next week with Jonah 4-7 and maybe Jonah 4-8. Until then, keep following Jesus wherever it is he leads. <laughs>